0: Welcome back to the Admissions Uncovered podcast. This episode is part two of the recording we did with admissions counselor ScholarGrade from Reddit, reviewing the last two cases of ChanceMe profiles. Make sure to watch the previous episode if you haven't done so already, and if you want to follow along our discussion in text, make sure to check out the cases in the show notes. Otherwise, enjoy the rest of the discussion. Case five has a 4.84 weighted, 3.8 unweighted GPA with a class rank in the top 5%. They are middle-class Asian, and they're applying for math or applied math as a intended major. And their academics entail a 1580 on their SAT, perfect SAT subject tests across three different subject tests, a very rigorous course schedule, and their ECs or extracurriculars comprise of them being in the leadership roles in math, uh, science, technology clubs uh, with four-year commitments, volunteering for about 300 hours in programming, varsity sport level four years, and a math and computer science summer research programs every single month, with certain governor's school programs with less than 15% admit rates. And lastly, they have a few awards and honors as well. They are a two-time Amy qualifier. They have done state-level math competitions, science Olympiad, and science fairs with various medals at the state level, and they have participated in a couple of local hackathons. A couple of their reaches include MIT, CMU, Cornell, and Berkeley. They prefer Georgia Tech, UIUC, Rice, and Dartmouth. And their cities are Amherst, UMB College Park, and WPA.
1: Uh, so one thing that, another, uh, you know, kind of in, in the same vein as the previous applicant, is talking about the financial aspect. So this student needs full aid, basically. EFC is near zero. These state schools are all out of state for this student. Uh, that's probably going to be an issue because state schools, because they're funded by tax dollars, at least partially, are highly interested in making sure that need-based financial aid goes to dem- goes to in-state students. Um, so Georgia Tech, UIUC, UIUC in particular, the the state of Illinois has kind of a budget crisis right now, and that has led uh, the University of Illinois to admit tons of full-pay international students as a way to kind of make up for some of their budgetary shortfalls. Um, so if you're full-pay at, at University of Illinois as an out-of-state student, that actually gives you a pretty big leg up. But if you're out of state and you're requesting full aid, I would say you have pretty low chances. Looking at, you know, like Rice, for example, is extremely generous with aid. Any student with family income below $65,000 is going to get a full ride scholarship, basically. And any student under about $200,000 is going to get a full tuition scholarship. Rice is one where if you can get in, uh unless you're, you know, in the upper class, you're do, you're going to get a really nice aid package. So that would be one where I think the student would have a, a a really good shot at. Uh Dartmouth, Cornell, and MIT also are very very generous with aid. Um MIT again is a and and Cornell are both going to be real reaches. Carnegie Mellon has a very strong and very competitive computer science program. Um so if that's the if that's the the tack uh, you know, they did mention math and applied math, which maybe would be better chances at CMU, but those are also pretty competitive there. Uh, Berkeley to me is almost out of the question simply because if you're an out-of-state student, Berkeley's just not going to give you a ton of aid. So I, I would say uh, I would say Rice, Dartmouth, CMU maybe, and then possibly Cornell if they can get in would be the, the most likely chances there.
2: To, to talk on the list briefly, I, I don't know if I preferred this applicant is using that in the same way I would use a target school, so a place where you're reasonably confident that you can probably get in. Dartmouth and Rice seem more like dream schools due of the admissions rates and people don't like hearing this. I did this two years ago, I understand like I want certainty, I want to know whether I get in or don't get in, <laughs> but but at any school I think less than 10% admissions rate, less than 15-20 Percent admissions rates; those are schools that I would personally feel very uncomfortable if you call unless there's some very yeah. special circumstance. Yeah, even Georgia Tech at, at
1: uh, somewhere as around twenty percent is, is a reach. Yeah, and if you're out of state, North like States. Georgia, Georgia Tech is not a, is not a match for you.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I would I would advise this student to maybe think more about the list. Um, I, I appreciate it's the safeties and the existence of the safeties, but maybe think more about that mid tier range of schools as well. I do want to say something about the essay because he wrote kind of an interesting thing in, in this essay section. He said that he has some ideas, but they're mostly the same type, my passion for math. He said, the student said that a couple of people who read them thought that they were portraying themselves to be a Asian boy in STEM stereotype. And so the next sentence he said really made me happy, but that is who I am, <laughs> which is that if this is actually what you've done for four years of high school, and this is what you want to do for four years in college and potentially for the rest of career, the rest of your life, then you don't want to run away from it. I've talked yeah. to a lot of parents who've asked me, hey, student, Asian, interested in math, did a lot of math competitions, but you know maybe they should apply as an English major because we've heard it's easier to get in as an English major. Not true, especially if your mm-hmm. extracurriculars are all about STEM because there's no demonstrated interest in in what you want to do in college and that's really the key part maybe the stats show that people who select english majors have higher chances of getting in because there may be fewer english majors like i i could see the numbers working out that way but in terms of individual applications just being just choosing the non-stereotypical thing without some evidence to back that up i think is is very very dangerous so i appreciate this applicant just kind of leaning into it and and i think it makes sense because a lot of his extracurriculars are about, are about STEM. And I think that's totally fine, whether you're Asian or not.
1: Yep, I agree with that. You don't necessarily need to apologize for who you are. Another, another point that I'll make here, and this is something that, that comes up a lot when I'm looking at chance me type posts, is that uh, he self-rates his essays as not very strong, five out of 10 maybe.
0: Mm. And
1: most students highly overestimate their abilities as a writer. Uh, the simple fact is that most essays, most admissions essays are really not very good. Um, <laughs> it's pretty rare for me to see an essay and say, oh yeah, this is like a seven or higher of it. But it's pretty rare to see someone self-rate themselves below that level. I think that some of this comes to the fact that students who are great academic writers think that that will translate to them writing personal, personally and expressively about themselves and it just doesn't. And then I think that part of it is that students don't really understand the goals of, of yeah. a personal essay they think of it as, oh, I need to answer this prompt and I need to like be impressive. But really what you need to do is talk about who you are and showcase your personality. Like it's almost better to think about it like it's a job interview or a first date than an academic exercise because you want the the reviewer to connect with you and get to know you and like you uh one of the one of the common themes in the essay guide that i've written is that you want to be the protagonist of your application if you think about the protagonists of your favorite books and movies like you love these characters and you really root for them like no one watches harry potter and is like all right come on voldemort get him (laughs) like everybody wants harry to win and you're rooting for him literally from like the first 10 minutes of the, of the movie or the first chapter of the book. You're, right. Nobody says, oh, I hope, Ver, I hope Vernon Dudley beats him up. Everybody wants Harry to, to win, right? You're cheering for him. So you want to be that in your application. You want to be that, that character that's compelling and exciting and has some good, good qualities that, uh, that endear you to the audience and make, make them want to, to root for you. And so I think when I'm looking at essays and how people self-score them, my rule of thumb is almost just take three points off whatever they rated out of 10. If they say it's a seven, it's probably closer to a four. If they say it's a 10, like maybe it's a seven, but maybe they're just arrogant and pull themselves and it's actually a three. Yeah. So I think that uh, you have to take that with a grain of salt and, and you really, uh, you know, it, like I said, it, it's really rare to see outstanding essays.
0: Let's take a look at case six then. Again, another brief overview. So this applicant is an L-Asian from Myanmar who is an international applicant, again. He, his intended major is finance or business administration. He has a 1400 SAT, a 3.96 unweighted uh, with no class rank, and he has a relatively strong course load as well. His leadership includes a lot of uh, leadership positions in various clubs. He is the treasurer of his school, Stuco Club. He is a member of his microloans club, a member of a couple bands, like the concert band, the wind ensemble, Uh, National Honor Society, and he is part of a music cultural exchange program. And in addition to this, he does a lot of tutoring. He teaches English to deaf Burmese kids. He is a tutor uh, for a lot of Catholic home elders. And in addition to that, he does a lot of basketball. So he's a manager for his state basketball team during his country's national basketball competition. And he is a varsity basketball manager in addition to that. During his summers, he has done a couple of internships at a couple of local banks. He has built a basketball court for less fortunate people, and he is a teacher's assistant for a couple of courses. And he has two SAT subject tests with perfect scores, are largely going to be UC Berkeley, UCLA, USC, Georgetown, Notre Dame, Boston University, Boston College, Vanderbilt.
1: So I think the first thing that I would come back to, again, is as an international student, uh, again, from Myanmar, which is, you know, he says third world country, it's going to come down to whether or not he needs financial aid. Uh, you know, the SAT score is, is perhaps a little bit on the low side for some of these schools, um, especially as an international student, because the pool is just so competitive. Most of these colleges could pick and choose from among 1,500 plus scorers to see whichever one they want. While a fourteen hundred is an amazing score, uh, and the three point nine six unweighted GPA is very strong, and there's you know there's some good AP classes and and there's some evidence of intellectual vitality throughout his activities and involvement. I think that a lot of this is going to be based on the school's needs, their their institutional goals, uh, and what their availability is for aid and how much aid he's requesting.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. One thing I want to throw out to this applicant if they're, if they're listening um, is the University of Pennsylvania has a very cool dual enrollment program between international relations and the Wharton School of Business. The Huntsman program that is actually very much geared toward international students who know how to speak a foreign language um, or a non-English language. I guess I remember talking to the admissions officer there when I was uh, there for some info- information session, and they definitely <laughs> made it very, very clear that that was a program that tended to be more filled with, with international students. What I love about the kind of like content of this application is is I kind of see the connection right? Interested in business. So there's definitely a lot of businessy things, microloans club, internship at a bank. Um, But then there's also this mix of the academic interest or career interest in business with maybe a personal interest in, in basketball, right? It's like manager of basketball teams. So I think Part of that you can, you know, spin as management and that's what you want to do in business school. Some of these other programs, leadership, you can tie back to, to the management aspect of it too. Or, or the project management side of it. Um, in some of the summers he's doing, right, he apparently built a basketball court. It seems like a pretty big task for anybody to take in wow. um, that, that we can definitely, you know, call related to business and management. So I, I appreciate how, I guess, maybe focused is the word I, I would use on, on kind of a specific area uh, for this application.
0: So one of the questions I have, and again, I'm just an uninformed high schooler on this, but uh, from Myanmar, which is an Asian country, do international applicants get lumped into the entire Asia region as a general, as a general sort of method?
2: So it so it depends on the school because I I know for example uh, Columbia has different admissions officers who read for different regions of Asia.
1: Yeah, there's sort of like two different levels. There's there's how will your application be reviewed and then what context will it be reviewed in. So the how will your application be reviewed is just determined by like like Michael mentioned colleges will often have a set of admissions officers dedicated to international students and they might be done by region or by country or whatever. And so in that case, Myanmar would probably be grouped in with, you know, students from China or India, um, which make up over 50% of all international applicants to the United States. But in terms of, in terms of sort of the specifics and, and the, the, uh, the context, Myanmar would would probably be evaluated very differently from students from India and China. So I think that, um, you know, it can can kind of cut both ways. As a general rule, admissions isn't as hyper-focused on race as a lot of people seem to think it is. Certainly being an underrepresented minority can help, and certainly being an international student who needs a a financial aid will hurt. Um, But there's a surprising amount of it that depends on the student themselves and you know how that student fits the the profiles that the that the school is looking for and what their institutional goals are um, so i would I usually discourage people from getting too hung up on that uh, one there's not really anything you can do about it and two you know y- you're better off focusing on the things that you can control, finding a good narrative in your application, writing compelling essays that are expressive of who you are, focusing on developing your passions and your activities and trying to pursue them, take ownership of them and, and take initiative for, for what you're able to achieve, uh, a difficult course load and, and excel in it, uh, study up really hard for the standardized tests and get good scores. Like All of those things are going to have way more impact than you know what country you're from or or what your ethnicity is.
2: With international students, I make no guesses. With very, very competitive schools, I make no guesses, and so mm-hmm. I'll, I'm going to be boring and say I, I don't. I I really don't know for this person. I think again in the ballpark competitive has a fighting chance. Right. Um. But as yep. as far as absolutely going to get in, absolutely not going to get in, I don't know. Mm-hmm.
0: So one question this applicant really had, and he actually messaged me on Reddit. Um, oh. Okay. Whether he should ed to carnegie Mellon cmu or upenn
2: mm, mm, okay all right so my take on this is not strategic at all it's that you should ed wherever you want to go period um and that's because i think i i thought about this when i was thinking i could have played it safe and maybe gone to the school i would would have been more likely to get into or something like that but but If you have a dream school, I think early is when you shoot your shot um, and and really try your best to get into that school. So it depends on your preferences.
1: Yeah. So what I would add is uh, definitely only apply ED if it's your top choice. Yes. And if you're not sure, then you're better off waiting uh, because applying ED and getting admitted means you've already agreed to attend. The only way you can back out is if you have some kind of of kind of radical extenuating circumstance, you know, say your mom gets sick and you have to stay close to home to take care of her or um, or the financial aid that's offered is is radically different from what you know your uh, financial aid estimates came back with. Or if, you know, let's say there was a big change, you know, your your parents got laid off from their jobs, and you can no longer afford to attend, the schools would release you from the ED agreement in those cases. But you don't want to be bound to attend someplace when you really don't want to go there. Um, that said, there is uh, statistically some strong advantages to applying early at some, some schools. Uh, the University of Chicago is sort of notorious for giving a (laughs) massive boost to early decision applicants. So if you're going to sign up and say, yep, I'm going to UChicago, they will give you a really big, they'll they'll take a really good look at you uh, and give you a really big advantage. Uh, UPenn, I believe is a lot less. I think Carnegie Mellon is more. Um, So you can look, but if you go to the, the school's common data set, you can just Google the school name plus common data set, and you can see what their early admission rates are. Uh, or early decision rates, admission rates are compared to regular decision uh, and see if there's much of a delta there. And if there's not much delta, then it's not, probably not worth applying early because that's just not going to give you enough lift to be worth what you're what you're committing to. And then the final aspect of early decision that I think can be important is that early decision applicants often don't get as generous financial aid offers. And one of the reasons for this is that your financial aid is much more tailored to your specific situation and not, there's no competitive adjustment. The analogy I would make is if you're if you're in the job market and you're applying for jobs places and you have, you know, let's say a job offer from Facebook, Google, and Microsoft, then they kind of know they have to compete with each other. But if you went to Facebook and said, hey, I'm working for you guys, just, you know, pay me a competitive market rate. The number they come back with, with for a competitive market rate might be a lot lower than what they actually pay when they have to compete. You may want to keep that in mind, that especially when it comes to merit aid, schools use merit aid as a way to recruit, uh, not so much as a way to you know, make admission possible or make enrollment possible. That's going to be more on the needs-based aid side. Uh, and so if your need-based aid is kind of in the middle range where you're not, you're not at a zero uh, expected family contribution, nor are you independently wealthy to where you can just pay full freight, no problem, uh, you may want to consider, reconsider doing early decision because it might mean that you get in and you technically can afford to pay, but boy, is it going to be expensive. Uh, and if you don't want to be in that situation, then you, you might want, not want to do ED.
2: Yeah. And and I have a little bit of personal experience with this one. So I didn't get in anywhere early, but regular decision, I got into Columbia, Wharton and and Brown. And so what that let me do, even though all those schools um, only gave me need-based aid, is it let me leverage the offers against each other. So I think the time uh, Wharton gave me the best financial aid, and so the other IVs and other top 20s are going to match each other. So that made me pay $5,000 less per year. Which is amazing. Exactly, Tw- now, twenty grand. Yeah, it's, it's well. N- okay, so the second part of it though is that that wears off after the first year. So I am now back. Oh to well, sure. Estimate for okay. me. So good for the first year, probably yeah. will not continue. Okay. For- Five grand. <laughs> he, is, he is just like Columbia doesn't feel the pressure from Wharton and Brown anymore, or the other schools. That, yeah. But yeah, I think that's a good point to think about. To definitely think about whether you really want to go somewhere with early decision and the financial situation.
0: Sounds good. So those were our six cases. And again, I'll reiterate the purpose of this episode was to give listeners and definitely listeners who have tuned in from R slash Chance Me a real insight into what you know real college students and admissions counselors think of the chance me posts that high schoolers comment on every day in the subreddit. And again, just to offer what people really think of. Um, when they look at these sort of applications and not just, you know, regular people.
2: Now, one thing I'm going to say to whether the people who submitted the chance me are listening or not, or, or anybody who's like interested in doing a chance me, is that think like everything we say with a grain of salt. We're not actually reading your applications. We don't know what your essays look like. Like Mark said earlier, we don't know the full context of the application pool or the norms of the admissions office. We don't know whether admissions officers have eaten lunch the day they review your application, whether they feel sick. Whether- <laughs> A doctor's appointment that they need to run out for. It's, it's just like so many things that we just don't know and you don't have control over, we don't have control over, not even admissions officers have control over. It feels scary and I feel bad for saying it, but it's just the honest reality that at some point you don't know what's going to happen and you just have to put your best foot forward and see what happens.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of the reasons students like to do chance me's is that they want to see, is it worth applying to this school? Mm -hmm. And I think a good way to do that is just to look, what are the 25th and 75th percentile uh, test scores? Uh, What what do typical applicants' grades look like? Go to the admissions website, because they'll often tell you, like, here's what typical admissions, you know, admitted students, you know, have done. And they'll say, like, they're in the top 10% or 20% or 50% of their graduating class. And their, you know, SAT scores are in this range, and their GPA is like this, and these are some of the things that they've done. They'll profile some students for you, and you you can get a good sense of what kind of student gets in, uh, and that can be a good way to figure out if a school is a given, if a given school is is a good fit for you, you know. So, so for example, while most students know what their chances are at a place like MIT or Stanford, they may not know, uh, you know, off the top of their head, how competitive is Babson? Right. right, or um, you know, some of these other colleges that that maybe aren't as uh, as ubiquitous in in the chance me or applying to college forums. So I think doing some of your own research and just see like, will I be a competitive applicant? If you're competitive, then maybe take a shot. You know, um, what do you have to lose?
2: Absolutely. And even if you're not competitive, I feel like you always have to have a couple of long shots and just see what happens. Yeah. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was a pleasure.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Come back on anytime you want. We can talk about sure. any other thing about college admissions. <laughs> yeah,
1: can get you know a list of questions to help focus your essays. Yeah, um, and really cool. you know if you have if you have questions or uh, or any of your of your listeners want to come want to come talk to me, you can find me on Reddit. My my handle is Scholar Grade, uh, or you can find my website at, at www.bettercollegeapps.com.
0: So that'll definitely be in our show notes. Better College Apps LLC.
2: Listeners, thank you so much for listening. Um, we talked about chance me's this time. And if you go to the show notes, you can see each individual profile and kind of follow along as we read through some of the things they give us. As a brief check-in, right now is about the time if you're going to apply early somewhere. You should really be getting those essays halfway done, hopefully finalize and getting other people to edit them. We'll talk more about that in the next couple of weeks, but just making sure you're on track about that. But yeah, thank you all so much for listening and, and we'll see you next week. Thanks so much.